Hear now God's word to us from the book of Jeremiah, the first chapter. Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you. I appointed you a prophet to the nations. Then I said, Lord God, truly I do not know how to speak, for I am only a boy. But the Lord said to me, Do not say, I am only a boy, for you shall go to all whom I send you, and you shall speak whatever I command you. Do not be afraid of them, for I am with you to deliver you, says the Lord. Then the Lord put out his hand and touched my mouth, and the Lord said to me, Now I have put my words in your mouth. See, today I appoint you over nations and over kingdoms to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. This is the word of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. If you ask Google for advice, do you want to guess how many web pages Google will give you? 954 million. If you cut out the pages just trying to define advice by typing, I need advice, you're left with a meager 953 million. There are a lot of people out there giving advice, lots of books, books in abundance, web pages. You can get psychological advice from a psychiatrist or a counselor from the safety of your computer. You can get relationship advice, although this is often offered by people whose lives suggest they should not be giving relationship advice. You can get financial advice from an accountant or an investor or a talk show. There are 953 million people on the Internet looking to give you advice. Plenty of others looking to give you advice in person. But when you come to the church, what kind of advice do you expect to get? I think we assume that the church is offering us spiritual advice. We go elsewhere for financial advice, practical advice, relationship advice, psychological advice. But when we need advice for our souls, we come to church. And I don't think that's a bad idea. Church is a great place to come for spiritual advice. But I think God also has a pretty good grasp on psychology, finances, practical advice, and relationships. Not that I'm against getting help elsewhere. I certainly think you should listen to the experts. But just a reminder that God has some good ideas on that, too some of which is in the first chapter of the book of Jeremiah. When Jeremiah is preparing to be a prophet, something we defined just a little bit ago, God is giving him a pep talk. He's walking him through it. Jeremiah is going to be a prophet, which is a spokesman for God to God's people. And a prophet's job is a lot like playing the game telephone. You have a line of people. The first person hears something from God and is responsible for passing it along. And we all just saw how fragile that process can be. Someone gets nervous, someone gets distracted, and suddenly what seemed a very clear message is muddled. A prophet is the first person God speaks to. It's someone who is especially good at listening for what God wants to say. It's not necessarily someone who is especially holy or a better person than the rest of us. A prophet is just good at listening to God and tuning out those other 954 million voices giving advice. 
So God whispers to them and then sends them out to spread the word. And this is how God gives us advice. He finds someone who is listening, has them share the word, and they tell all of us. It's how prophets work. It's how God passes it along. It's also how the Bible came about. God inspired the word through one person, and they shared it. Those words were recorded, and we hold them still today. Our text for this morning is actually a 3,000-year-old game of telephone. When we read a story like this, a story like the one from Jeremiah, it's natural to place ourselves in the role of Jeremiah, the prophet. It's the easiest place to go. He's the hero of the story. And there's a very good chance that at some point you will be responsible for carrying a word from God to someone else. Scary as that may be. Jeremiah is appointed as a prophet to the nations. I'm glad I'm not a prophet to the nations. I imagine you are too. But Jeremiah is responsible for carrying a word from God to countries, to kings, to queens, to whole nations. And it happens when he's just a boy. He will be responsible for listening to what God has to say and passing that on. When he shares that word of God, people's lives will hang in the balance. He will be asking people to risk everything in the name of God. What kind of personality does it take to be able to do that? To be able to listen for God like that and then pass it along. I thought it was maybe self-confidence, but I don't think that's it. Self-confidence would lead Jeremiah to speak his own words to the people. He'd give his own advice. I think the personality trait is trust. Trust in God. Absolute trust in what God is saying. Which is why Jeremiah empties the words out of his own mouth and God touches him and puts God's own words in his mouth. Which is why I'm fairly confident that one day God will try to use you to speak a word to someone else. All you need is a touch of trust and a touch of humility. A willingness to listen for what God is saying and a willingness to pass it on. God will want to use you to pass on some advice or encouragement or wisdom or a warning to someone who needs it. I'm confident you will. My prayer is that you will be willing to listen and willing to speak. But what I'm more interested in is I'm also confident we have all been and will again be on the other side of the equation. We will have a word of God coming to us from someone else. Because the closer we are to a situation, the harder it is to see it truly. Have you ever experienced this? When you're in the middle of it, you can't take your own advice. If someone else told you the story of the situation, you could give them the right idea in a second, but when you're in the midst of it, the voices in your own head are too loud. So I'm quite positive, 100% sure, that God has sent someone with a word to you. I think it's much harder to hear that. There's something exciting and romantic. It's like an adventure to receive a word from God and be told to pass it along. You're the hero of that story. But the reverse, when someone comes strolling into your life and takes a look around and says, you know, God told me you're doing it wrong. That's hard to hear. 
It requires submission. Listening to God at all requires submission. God is at the top. God makes the decision. If God decides to send his advice through someone else, tough luck. That's how God chose to do it. We're just supposed to take the advice. And it's harder to receive that word than to carry it, which is part of why it seems easier to be Jeremiah, although if you read the book of Jeremiah, you'll see it wasn't. The second part of this is it requires us to trust one another. Just think of the game telephone from the children's sermon. If one kid decided to say something different at any point in that line, you would never know. If you don't trust the person next to you, you can't receive the word from God that they are carrying. Imagine if a word had been added in, just one word. Doesn't. God doesn't make promises to us. That would be a very different message. If I said God loves you and someone passed it along and added the word doesn't, God doesn't love you, that would be a very different message. Trust is at the heart of the prophet's work, at the heart of hearing something from God and passing it along which is why we need to be able to trust each other. We need to be willing to listen, humble enough to step out of being in charge and let someone else take the wheel. Nothing about listening to God's advice is guaranteed to be easy. Sometimes the listening to the messenger is the hardest part, which is why Jeremiah is scared. He's carrying some hard advice for kings and queens and countries, and he's pretty sure people will hate him for it. My first prayer for us this morning is that we will trust one another to hear what God is saying through the people sitting next to us in the pews. And my second prayer focuses on this. When God is getting ready to send Jeremiah out, he gives him a summary of the message he will be carrying for the rest of his life. And Jeremiah's message, his advice to Israel, is just as true for us today as it was then. There's a summary statement to pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, to build and to plant. Did you catch the order of that? To pluck up and to pull down, to destroy and to overthrow, then to build and to plant. I think the order is really important. First you pluck up and pull down, you destroy and overthrow, and then you build and plant. That's the order that God's prophets will always use. If you look at any of them, Isaiah will use it, Hosea will use it, Micah will use it, Amos will use it. First you pull down, then you build up. Sounds like God thinks this order is important. Pluck first, then build. Picture an eager gardener. Are there any gardeners here? A few? Okay, well then that will work. Picture an eager gardener. They've had this little corner of their yard set aside for years for a vegetable garden, as some of you may have. They want cucumbers and tomatoes and some heads of lettuce and carrots, and they've got this vision for how amazing it would be to walk out their back door, grab some fresh vegetables, make dinner. Amazing. And they get inspired. So they walk out to that little plot of dirt, and they plant all these seeds. The cucumbers are there, and the tomatoes, and there's the lettuce, and the carrots. Everything is planted, and the gardener waters it. Every day, the gardener gets up, oh, they water all those vegetables, and they put up a fence to protect it from rabbits, and they watch it, and they water it, and they pray, and they hope, and they watch, and they water, 
And then in three months, they go out and they search every inch of dirt for a cucumber or a tomato or anything and find nothing. Not a single vegetable, not even a shriveled up carrot. Why? The inspired gardener did not bother to weed. They didn't clear a space for their plants to grow. So when they planted a tiny seed next to a mature weed and that seed tried to get enough sunlight, enough water, the seed died. The inspired gardener missed God's memo that the first step is plucking before you plant. That's why so many New Year's resolutions fail, right? We decide to add a new habit or practice. Maybe we're going to start going to the gym. And then we add it into the middle of an already busy schedule. And while we are hard at work to make it to the gym, while we want to, or it's our intent, the new habit gets choked out by the weeds. You can't change without first plucking out the weeds. New Year's resolutions to lose weight won't happen without changing some things. There are generally two competing desires. One, you want to lose weight. Two, you want to eat good food. One, you want to lose weight. Two, you don't want to go to the gym. And then these two desires compete. If you don't pluck out the weeds, if you don't change one sets of those, one set of those desires, the other will fall away. If you're trying to work off that debt hanging around your shoulders, you aren't willing to get rid of unnecessary expenses, that debt will not go anywhere. This little dose of reality runs against some Christian optimism. Sometimes in Christian advice circles, you can read things like, this is part of those 954 million voices. Just trust God and he will provide for you. Or something like, if you have faith, God will give you the energy and everything you need to complete your dreams. Just some sort of blank check. Which is true, but may not mean what we want it to mean. What God might provide for us, what we might need, is some hard advice. Pluck first, then build. First, clear the space so whatever you're planting has room to grow, and then plant it. It's God's technique while he's working with us. The first thing we do when we come here, we gather to worship, and then we confess our sins. We clear a space for God to work. It's the same thing Jesus did with his disciples. He didn't say, let me move in with you and I'll teach you about God. He said, follow me. Clear a space for me in your life and I will teach you. You may be thinking this sounds really cool and romantic and inspirational if you're 18. But what does this advice mean for those of us who have lives and responsibilities, homes and jobs, spouses or kids? What does this look like in the midst of real life and responsibilities? What does it mean to pluck up and pull down and destroy? It's complicated because we never get a clean slate. You never get to start over. You're always in the middle of life. You pluck up a sin to plant something new and you turn around and there's three more waiting for you. Pluck first, then build. Well, it's a process. You pluck and you plant and you pluck and you plant. And this is the Christian life. The advice that God sent Jeremiah out with was not a quick fix plan. It's not a Ponzi scheme. It's true. 
The advice God sends Jeremiah out with is basically this. If you want me to take care of you, get rid of your idols. If you want the blessings I have in store for you, pluck the weeds and plant new fruit. We're on the far end of this game of telephone, two and a half thousand years later, but the advice is still true. If we want the blessings God has for us, we pluck the weeds and plant new fruit. If you know your church calendar, you might be thinking, I wonder if this has anything to do with Lent. Lent is about putting things down. It's about pulling weeds. That's why we give things up for Lent. We pluck things out. The reason we pluck is so we can plant something new. So our challenge to you in the coming week and a half before Lent is take a look at your life. Where do you have weeds that need to be plucked? And what could go in that space? Because God's advice to us from two and a half thousand years ago is if you pluck first, then build, the fruit will come. Pluck first, then build, the fruit will come. Will you join me in prayer? Lord God, we thank you for the words of your prophet Jeremiah. We thank you for the advice that is passed down to us. Give us eyes to see the weeds growing in our own lives. Give us courage and energy to pluck them out. And send your spirit that you might be planted in our lives in new and creative ways. So we overflow with your blessings. Pray all of this in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Amen.